in Alexandre Dumas' book, The Count of Monte Cristo, we read the following story. It's told, it, was a, it was a big joke around the dungeon in the prison that all these characters were in and things were going that the Abbey Friar was uh, insane because all he ever did was talk about a fabulous treasure, a, a wealth beyond anything man could imagine and the things that were there. And everybody just mocked him and made fun of him as they were all prisoners, all destitute, all in all kinds of, of hopelessness in the states in which they were, but they just kept making fun of him. But in that same prison was a man by the name of Dantes, and, and the Abbey took him under his wing and, and made friends with him. He educated him. He taught him all kinds of things, and, and uh, Edward Dantes didn't want to say much to him. He never brought up the treasure or anything because if, if the man was crazy, he didn't want to bring that out anymore. He didn't want him to lose his mind over it, but, so he just listened. He learned. He took in all that he could get from the man as he was, but he wasn't crazy. He was not, his mind was not imbalanced at all, and as he lay dying, he gave the secret of the treasure to Dantes. In time, Dantes escaped from that horrible prison. He made his way under the directions of the abbey that had given him to a grotto, and there he found an old oaken chest bound in steel with locks and padlocks on it. He couldn't believe his possibility, this dream might be true. As he looked at it and as he thought about it and, and as he did, he, he managed to break loose the locks and the things that were there and, and just hoping and almost holding his breath because what if it was a hoax? What, what if it wasn't real after all? But as he opened the lid of the treasure chest, oh, it was true. It was real. There were stacks and stacks of golden bars. There were golden coins all through the thing. There was treasure chests of diamonds and rubies and pearls. He had a wealth that would ransom dozens of kings and all the things that would go on and there before him. And he went on to become what we would know, what he came to know as the Mount of Monte Cristo. That story is a very shallow picture of what Paul is telling us in the verses we look at this morning in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 beginning in verse 8. And as we read there and as we look there, we will see that this utter fantastic tale of the Mount of Monte Cristo it pales in the light of what God has given to us in Jesus Christ, of what has been provided for us in the treasures and the wealth of what's going on. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in verse 8 of chapter 3 and reading through verse 13, as we have the opportunity to see what God is saying to us, the church, together. The Bible says to me, that's Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, listen to this, the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages had been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask, you don't be, lose heart at my tribulations on my behalf, for they are for your glory. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about this passage of Scripture, and, and I, I just can't even begin, I, I try and try to picture the, the amazement 
that Paul must have felt and, and, and the excitement that was in his heart and his life as, as he got to unveil these things that you were just pouring into his mind and into his understanding, into his heart, that he might grasp the significance of this great, amazing mystery that had been held in your heart for all the ages of time until you put it in motion through Jesus Christ and then through the apostles and others and especially through Paul, you began to unveil this mystery, the church, and allow the people to understand what significance they had in the world in which they lived, what amazing possibilities were theirs, what could be accomplished by the power of God in their life and through their life. Father, I, I just, it's, so, um, it's just overwhelming to think about what a, an amazing thing it is to be the church to be the people of the church, to know that all these things that have been revealed, all these things that have been opened up to us, all these things that have been shown to us through the Word of God and, and through the eternal presence of God's Spirit within us as His people, that we have the ability to be your messengers, that we have the ability to be those who stand in opposition to all the evil in the world, to be those who stand in opposition to Satan himself as we are the church. God, I pray. I, I just I can't emphasize it enough, and I, I can't get out of me enough to be able to press upon people that people would get excited and, and, and just rejoice in the reality. I'm a member of the church. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I belong to God. I'm a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The creator of the universe is my Father. Father, just give us some excitement. Give us some thrill in our hearts. Give us the understanding of who we are. And what that means in the world in which we live, I pray in Christ's name, amen. See, you may be seated. It's just amazing to me. It's overwhelming to me. This is what Paul is talking about here as he looks at this and he talks about it. See, he's, he's saying to us that we, like those prisoners in that dungeon long ago, we are prisoners of, we were prisoners of Satan. We were enslaved by the sin of our life. We had no hope. We had no future. We had no plan. We had nothing that could bring any benefit to our life. But Christ came. And Christ died upon the cross and he set in motion the work of God in your life and in my life that by the grace of God, those of us who responded to his invitation accepted this great and mighty gift that he offered to us of Christ Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins and being able to be born into the very family of God that we would inherit such a wealth and such a richness that's beyond anything man can ever speak of. That's what he's talking about when he read in those verses, he said, the unfathomable riches of Christ. What he's talking about, see that word unfathomable? It, it was a word, it was a tracking word. It was a word that meant you, you would try to track it, you'd try to follow it, you'd try to find the end of it, but you couldn't. You couldn't find the beginning of it, you couldn't find the end of it, because God's wealth, God's riches, God's power, God's grace, His mercy, His love, and all those things that He is are beyond our ability to ever find the end of it. They, they, they never run out. They never cease. They never stop. God's love for you and God's love for me has no end. God's power has no place that it can ever be hindered. God's grace is for all and everyone without exception and being a part of it. All that God has done for us in Jesus Christ can't be traced because it just doesn't end. It doesn't have a, a possibility of ever running dry. It just, it's always there. These unfathomable riches of God, the things that we have in Jesus Christ that are available for us. Paul says, I had the privilege to tell people you're rich. Maybe some of you, I don't know if any of you are old enough, but you may remember an old, 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 old show called The Millionaire. I think they've tried to redo it a couple of times. Some of you are smiling, so I guess somebody besides me is old enough to remember it. But uh, 
there was a guy that was wealthy beyond compare, evidently, and he just gave away a million dollars every week to somebody. That was just giving somebody a penny compared to what God's wanting to give you every single day of your life. You have wealth untold. And Paul's getting to go around and being the one. You, you can imagine the guy that got to deliver that news to the people who you go up to somebody and say, here, here, here's a million dollars. He had to have a great time doing that. I'm sure he got all kinds of weird looks and thoughts, and some people thought probably that he was crazy and other things that were going on. And people sure thought Paul was crazy and, and wanted to, they didn't want to understand or believe who he was or what he was having to say, but he was saying to a world, folks, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God has placed within you a wealth beyond comparison. It's untraceable. It's unfathomable. It, it can, the end of it can't be known. The beginning of it can't be known. It's been always from beginning, from eternity to eternity. The wealth of God is at your disposal. And I just want you to know that as the body of Christ, as the church, these riches are yours without untold speaking because of what Christ has done for you. But he said, that's not all I got to do. I didn't just get to tell people that they were rich. I didn't just get to tell people that they had wealth beyond anything that could ever, man could ever imagine. But I got to tell them that as the church, God had chosen them to be the ones who would administer his manifold wisdom to the world around us. Now the word manifold is a word that simply means diversify. It means it, it has many facets. It's many colored. It, it's, it's infinitely beyond being able to understand because it just goes on and on as well. The wisdom of God can never be known fully. It can never be understood in its fullness and all that it is because it's so much greater than anything you and I can know. The wisest people in all the world, the Bible says, know nothing compared to what God knows and what he is and what he's a part of and what he's talking about here. And so he said that God has given to you now, we could change this. He, see, he said to the Gentiles, but just as real what I could say this morning, without being wrong with the word of God and misinterpreting in any way, he could say, I had the privilege, Paul could say, I had the privilege to tell you folks in Quana that you have an unfathomable richness in Christ Jesus. And that God has given to you the manifold wisdom of the ages to reveal to the world around you that all that God is about. And what is that wisdom about? Well, it's shown in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he came and he said, in Christ is the power of God's love. In Christ is the power of his forgiveness. In Christ is all the plan of God from all the ages of time being put into motion in order that we might know that we have the forgiveness of God. In the church, the Bible is saying that God has taken that victory that Jesus Christ won upon the cross, that victory that he had, that he defeated evil and death and Satan and all those things for all time and the things that are going on that he has given to the church through Christ the ability to stand before a world and say God is on the throne and his way and his plan and his purpose cannot be defeated. You want to know why Satan hates the church? Why the world mocks the church? Why people who don't want to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way by which a man can be saved try to find fallacy with it and fault with it? Because God has made the church the means by which he is proclaiming to this world, I won. I won. Satan has been defeated. He's fighting for a little while. He's throwing in his last throws. But see, what the church is, is that God is saying through the church, here as Jesus died and rose from the dead and empowered the church by the power of the Holy Spirit to become the church, the body of Christ living upon the face of the earth, he was saying here is the beginning of the end of the reign of Satan upon this earth. 
Now, Christ defeated him. But it's through the church that he's making that announcement. It's through the church that he's going nation by nation, people by people, tongue by tongue, language by language, and saying to all those upon the face of the earth, God's way has been proclaimed. God's eternal plan has been opened up. And that which Satan has devised and all the schemes and plans and things that he has done, all the evil the world has compressed together and trying to overcome is all being set forth before the church. And the church stands victorious. Folks, hear the word of the Lord. He is the gates of hell cannot, will not, never see be able to stand against the church the church is God's victory the church is God's power upon the face of the earth and God's people and what's going on and the things that are happening it is the church that says to Satan all your schemes and all your plans and all the evil that you've mustered up all the ways you've tried to destroy families all the ways you've tried to destroy churches individual churches all the ways you've tried to ruin people's lives all the ways you've shattered the hopes and dreams of people all those things are for naught because the church is the announcement of God that I will win that I will reach people and lives will be changed. People's hearts today are being changed all over the world because of the church. Because of the message of the gospel. See, people make fun of the gospel. People make fun of preaching about Christ and all the things that are there. They belittle it. They do all they can. But it is the power of God unto salvation. Without the preaching of Christ, without the preaching of the gospel, without the preaching of the, go- of the cross, there's no hope. There's no means for people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and being part of it. It's the church, folks. Look around you. It's, it's people, just like you and me. It, it's janitors, it's teachers, it's bankers, it's lawyers, it's farmers, it's mechanics, it's homemakers, it's children, it's youth, it's old people, it's young people. It's people who are in, in all kinds of professions in life, in every job, in everything that you can think of. Every single one of them have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when they've surrendered their lives to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and they have been brought together as one. None better than any other. None greater than any other. All of us one in the unity in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the church, people. We are the ones through whom God has said, it is through the church that I'm going to reach a world. That's what Jesus said when he, when he said in the end of the Gospels of Matthew, when he said, I, I commission you, I command you, I give you this, this commissioning to go out into all the world and to teach them the things that I've taught you. And to baptize them and to disciple them and to make them a part, bring them into the body of Christ that they may be a part of this mighty church. It's what he said as he ascended to the Father in the book of Acts when he said, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. When he does, you'll be my witnesses. Not you might be, not that you should think about it, but yet you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth, you will be sharing the gospel. You will be telling the story. You will be the means by which God himself defeats the evil of this world. And all around, see, the church is all that stands in the play of Satan being totally in control of this world. The church. God's empowering his people by his indwelling them, each and every one, individually and collectively to carry out his message, to carry out his purposes, to accomplish those things that he wants to do. People mock the church. People laugh at the church. People seek to destroy the church. And even sometimes, though the church seems as weak as it can possibly be and it has nothing that it can contribute, the echo of eternity is what I've already said. The gates of hell cannot prevail. 
against the church. See, it is you, the body of Christ, that stand in the way of all the darkness in this city. It is you, the body of Christ, that stand in the way of all the hopelessness that's in this city. It is you, the church, that stands in the way of all the defeat that is in this city. It is you, the church, that exhibits the love of God, that exhibits the power of God, that exhibits the victory of God, that exhibits the grace of God, that exhibits the hope in God. It is you, the church, that makes a difference. And what we need to understand is what Paul's saying. I had that amazing privilege. I had the joy, he said. I had the opportunity to tell people, not only do you have wealth beyond imagination, not only do you have all the riches of heaven at your disposal, co-heirs with Jesus Christ and everything that is there, not only do you have riches beyond compare, power beyond compare, but you are the means by which I have chosen from before the beginning of the world to display my power and my grace. My hope for the world. See, if we don't do it, folks, it's not going to get done. It's not going to happen. We're the church. We're the ones that need to understand that and get a hold of it. And he says we have that, that power, we have that ability to us, and we, and we don't need, we don't have to worry about going through someone else. You know, you and I don't have to go to someone and say to them, I, I need to confess my sins to you. I, I need you to forgive me. No, there's not a man on earth that can forgive you of your sins. There's only one that can do that. His name's Jesus Christ. And we don't need to go through a priest or anybody else and confess our sins and things to them to ask for forgiveness. We go straight to the Father. Straight to the Father. Because we have bold access to Him by faith in Christ Jesus. Because we're His children. We're the church. And we need to remember that. And Paul said, he, he was telling the church, he said, I want you to understand, I, I know I'm in prison, and I know I've suffered all kinds of tribulation, and, and you're, you're concerned for me, and I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad that you pray for me and all those kind of things. But he said, don't be disturbed about my troubles. Don't be caught up in the suffering that I'm going because it's for you. It's for the, I, I, for the joy that I have in being able to tell you the message of what's going on. In, in the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, uh, old Tom, a slave, and, and, and he, they sold into to a man that was about as evil as any human being could ever possibly be, beat him and, and, and hated him and did all that he could, told him he was going to skin him and tie him to a tree and roast him alive, all kinds of things. He, just, he, just, he hated this slave, Tom. Tom just said to him, Master, I know you can do all kinds of horrible, evil things to me. And, and you can kill me. But then that's all you can do. And oh, after that's eternity. After that's heaven. It doesn't matter. And that's what Paul was saying. See, he, he was saying, it doesn't matter what they do to this old body. I don't care how much torture I go or how many prisons I'm in or how much suffering that I do in fact he said in Romans 8 18 I don't even consider all the sufferings that I've been through even worth thinking about in comparison to what God has prepared for me what he holds in store for me that, that's what he was saying. It's such a joy. It doesn't matter if it's hard to share the gospel. It doesn't matter if it costs us something to be able to tell people about Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if the world mocks us. It doesn't matter if people laugh and think that they've won the victory. It doesn't matter if religion after religion and cult after cult and philosophy after philosophy come up and challenge the word and the truth of the word of God and the truth of Christianity and all that it's about because they have all been defeated in Christ. There's one truth. 
And that is Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And no one comes to the Father except that they come through Him. And everyone who comes through Him comes to the Father as a child of the living God for all eternity. We're His. We're His church and being a part of it and being a things there. But you see, part of the problem, a problem that we sometimes face, let me just again illustrate through a little story. There was a little boy who was roaming across the fields and meadows and just having a good, good time. And he saw a beautiful flower in the midst of the meadow where he was. And he thought, you know, I think I'll pick that flower and pull it up from the ground and take it home to mom. She had, it's really beautiful. I, she'd really like this flower. And so he pulled that flower from the ground. And as he did, before him, there opened a cave in the side of a hill. Being a little boy and being curious, he decided he'd go see what this was all about. And so he entered into the cave. And as his eyes became adjusted to the darkness of the cave, he found, he saw before him all kinds of treasures. There was chests of gold and chests of, of all kinds of different coins and, and just wealth, unbelievable, everywhere around him as he could look at it. He couldn't believe it. And, and so he set the flower down and he began to just fill his pockets up. He took some of this out of this chest and some out of this group and some out of there. And he filled his pockets up and everything that he could. He could hardly even walk. He had so much, he was carrying as much of the wealth as he could with him to take home and to be a part of what was going on. And as he turned to walk away from the cave, he heard a little voice say, Don't forget the most valuable gift of all. Well, he paused. And he looked, he, he looked in his pockets and he examined everything that he had. He looked around the cave. He had some of everything. I mean, he, he had done a good job. He had gathered something of everything that was there. And so he turned again to go. Once more, that voice, don't forget, the most valuable possession of all. Frustrated. He looked, he's church, he saw, I have it all. So he turned and he walked from the cave. And as he walked from the cave, it closed behind him, and all the riches and all the things he had filled his pockets with turned to dust because he had forgotten the most valuable possession of all, the little flower that had given him entrance. See, we're like that as Christians. We want all the wealth of God. We want all the blessings of God. We want all the good things of God. We want God to just pour out upon us everything that we could ever imagine and hope for. We, won't, we don't want to take Christ with us. We hang our heads in shame if somebody thinks we're a Christian. We're ashamed of sharing the gospel, of telling people that the reason that we have such great wealth, the reason that we have peace that passes understanding, joy that's unspeakable, the reason that we have grace that's unending and mercy that's beyond compare, the reason that we have been given a purpose and a hope in life, the reason that we can stand against all the darkness of this world and still find the, the light of God within us and being a part of it is because of Christ. It's not because of anything that we are or anything that we've done or anything that we will ever do. It is because God has gifted us to be the church. And as the church, he has instilled within us a wealth that is beyond compare, that we can never use up, that will never run dry, that is always adequate and sufficient to do everything God asks us to do, and even more. But some of us walk away and act as though God doesn't even exist in our lives. We praise Him on Sunday morning, and then we don't even know He exists the rest of the time. He's not a part of our daily living. He's not a part of our family. He's not a part of anything that we do, but we want all that He has for us. It just doesn't work that way. Folks, we are the church. And we have the power 
to make a difference in this city. We have the power to make a difference in this world. But it is only as we remember that as we go, we must go in the name and the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of it all. He is the power of it all. And we must keep that in mind. We can never hold back. The treasures are ours. Paul said, the Holy Spirit led Paul to say, I get to tell you that you're rich beyond anything man can ever picture in their mind. The unfathomable, untraceable, unsearchable, untrackable riches of God belong to you in Christ Jesus. And I get to tell you as well that God has chosen you to teach all the authorities and rulers of the heavens and all of the earth his manifold wisdom, which was that he has chosen through Christ to bring redemption to lost mankind and by that redemption to implant within the world a body of people called the church. And it is through that church that he is reaching people after people after people after people and bringing them into the kingdom of God. And Satan's kingdom has been defeated and Satan's people have been defeated and Satan's schemes have been defeated and Satan's wiles and devices have been defeated. And by the power of the church, people are still raising up and finding a Savior in Christ Jesus. People are still being saved. Broken homes are still being brought back together. Lives are still being restored by the power of the message of God through the body of Christ, the church. The world is still being affected. Folks, we got to keep doing it. we got to keep doing it. we got to be the church. Because we're God's plan to reach a lost world with the message of the victory that was won in Jesus Christ. Church can't save anybody. Don't get me wrong. Only Christ can do that. But he has empowered us and instructed us to take the wealth of heaven and the power at our disposal and as the body of Christ living out this, in this world to be the light that shatters the darkness in every place that we go. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I, I just thank you for, I, I, I can't imagine what a great privilege Paul had to be able to be the one that, that you said, Paul, this is what's been going on for all the ages. I've kept it in my heart. I had, I've always had the plan. I've always known what was going to work. And at just the right time in history, I sent Jesus, my son, to, be, to die for the sins of mankind, to pay the penalty that had to be paid so that holiness could be kept and, and the majesty of God could be upheld and all the judgment and righteousness and holiness of God could be exactly what it is because nothing can be compared to me. And so he paid that price. He, he did what had to be done for the law to be satisfied. And in his doing that, he made it possible for every person who walked upon the face of the earth to be able to turn toward away from their sin, to turn away from their lives that are bound and as held hostage by Satan and, and all the evil of this world, and, and to release them, to set the prisoners free, and to empower them to become my living body upon the earth, through whom I will share the message of grace anyone and everyone that will listen and that message has the power of salvation within it and anyone who listens and accepts the truth of that message 
will be saved. They will be mine. And they will become a part of this mighty marching army. The church. That will not be defeated. Will not be overcome. For it will prevail until the ends of time when Christ comes finally once and for all to take those who are his home with him, leaving those who rejected the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to suffer an eternity in condemnation with Satan and his demons. For they are a defeated foe. And the church is here to proclaim the victory that has been won in Jesus Christ. God, may we understand that. May we understand that and realize that we have a unique calling, an amazing responsibility, and the greatest privilege in all of the earth to talk about our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all that he has accomplished for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And how he has instilled within us the power of the living God, the Holy Spirit, that we might have, be able to draw upon the unfathomable riches of the kingdom of God, and that we might be able to display and speak of the wisdom of God to a world desperate, desperate, for an answer. The answer is Jesus. May we never forget that, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.